From a top secret network of highly secure locations across South Texas, this is the Spurs Insider Podcast, brought to you again by our friends at Taco Palenque, where you can get the best fajitas in Texas. You can stop by there for the new limited time chicken al pastor quesadilla and pirata. As always, you can try the margaritas. They got lime, they got mango, they got guava. Guava is available for a limited time. We do not have limited time on this podcast. Um, although we do thank Taco Palenque. It's the best place for a pre- or post-game meal watching the Spurs. I am your host, Mike Finger, joined by our usual panel of Express News beat writers Tom Orsborne and Jeff McDonald. Sports editor Nick Talbot is with us, and one of these four panelists is actually diving headfirst into the partnership with Taco Palenque and may or may not be at a secure location, connecting to Wi-Fi, connecting to the internet, connecting to this podcast. How how how, how is it there, Jeff? I, I thought this was, we were supposed to be undisclosed. Now well, like, there's many hey, locations our, throughout South Texas. Now yeah. all our fans are just going to converge on this Taco Cabalenque like it's Beatlemania or something and, and you know, rip my clothes off and stuff. I'm well, not. Ta- I, the thing about Taco Palenque is that there are many locations across South Texas. So unless they wanted to go to every single one of them, which might be a prod, uh, project for the listeners, you know, they're not necessarily going to find you. Even, even though you have disclosed a a possible place where your your location is that doesn't mean that they they can narrow it down to it's not really a risk know, the top 10 you know it's not a risk i would like to take but we've already taken it uh I, you know i guess we're not going to edit this out so um i'll be long gone by the time this posts i guess so i guess it's okay there you go you're uh, safe yeah it's okay Less to talk about, even though this is a dead period for your local cagers, the, the Spurs in the month of September have nothing scheduled. It's it's like the deadest month of the year. There's no Hall of Fame, which we covered last time. There shouldn't be any big roster moves. That was taken care of in, uh, in July. Uh, no Summer League, no preseason yet. Media Day will start the first week of October. But we do have a new schedule to talk about. It turns out the Spurs are probably going to play 82 games, maybe 83 if they win the big in-season tournament that Jeff McDonald loves and Tom Morrisborn is looking forward to. Lots of national TV games. Since the last time we, we recorded a Spurs Insider podcast, we have the whole thing in front of us. Tom, what sticks out to you? Well... Uh, I like the opener, man. I I, I think that's going to be a lot of fun with the Mavericks coming to town. And Wimby gets an introduction to the Texas rivalries with games against Dallas and Houston right off the start. Um, yeah, and uh, the rodeo road trip is broken up as usual. Got the two games in Austin. Uh, March 15th and March 17th at the Moody Center. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's got a lot of high points to it. I like the uh, the two Laker games. Uh, let's see, back, not back to back, but uh, two consecutive games in San Antonio at the new Frost Bank, newly named Frost Bank Center, uh, December 13th and 15th against the Lakers, both on TV. 
uh, two of 19 nationally televised uh, uh, Spurs games uh, with the Wimby effect uh, in full force. See, people talk about how the, the national media has this love affair with the Lakers, who aren't good, haven't been good in a while, and uh, and and, and it's us, you know, we're supposedly the small market team that should be sticking up for the small market teams. We ask the small market beat reporter who's lived in this small market his entire life. From the very beginning, Tom Morrisborn has lived in San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio to the bone. And what it stands out to him on this schedule, what's the one opponent that he mentions? The Los Angeles Lakers. You're just feeding into this whole this whole problem that we've been dealing with in the NBA going back generations. People hey. care about the Lakers when the Denver Nuggets just won the championship. The Lakers, the Lakers were were terrible last year. Why are you looking forward to Lakers games? Well, Tom? San, San Antonio to the bone means that you go back and you look at the historic rivalry between those two franchises. Um, okay, you know what do you want to say? You're looking forward to the big visit from the Charlotte Hornets. It's muscle I'm memory. Just saying. What are you supposed to say. Just, <laughs> we might as well be doing one of those daytime TV shows on the sports networks where they they come up with their hot takes. And all their hot I, takes have to do just to get ratings. They have to talk about LeBron. Is that what we've sunk what, to trying to get ratings on this have, podcast? Is to Tom, talk about two Lakers have, games. Tom would have to three yell months away. Tom would have but, to, to to yell and scream a lot more to be uh, a star on one of those shows. I don't think that's he has true. it. Right. That's My true. My gosh, the chance uh, to see two games with LeBron James, fingers crossed, a yeah, guy at his age. A guy at his age doing what he's doing, incredible. I mean, that's that's you know that's a chance to see a once in a lifetime athlete, NBA uh, NBA player. But you've seen him many many times, and he is. I will say, he's. One, we've talked about this on the podcast before. He's one of those guys where even if you're not a basketball fan, you just sense this guy is something special. I I would if you haven't got the chance to do it before in your lifetime. Yeah. Go go watch Le- LeBron James, LeBron James play in person. It's 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 something, uh, and like he's ridiculously hyped. And the media, the media, local and national, talk about him too much. But um, man, well, the it, passing it, of the torch from from him to Wemby, you know, uh, I know that's yeah. a little little over the top, but I mean, uh, he's Wemby's the most highly touted uh, NBA rookie since LeBron James in 03. So that's true. Well, yeah. A lot of stories in that one, Mike. I apologize, yeah. Tom. What, Jeff, what, right. what no, no reason to I you. apologize, Finger, because part of that, I just got curious and was looking. Uh, anyone want to take a guess at how many Lakers games are televised next year? No Nationally? National. I think I knew 40. this, but I don't know. 40 is exactly right. Wow. I, that's, because I do my, that's because I do my research on this show. I was looking up what each team uh, has on national television. I, I got them all. Just you quiz me on any of them. No, please don't because I'm, I'm full of it. Four, four, 40 games on national televising. As Finger said, they're not, they weren't that great last year. And the Spurs are yeah. over the moon about having 19 televised games after, what was it, the year before they had four? If you count NBA TV, if not one. Yeah, yeah and, the, and the interesting thing about those 19 national televised games, um, it's all front-loaded on the schedule. Like, you get to about February, and there's none. And I think that gives you a clue 
uh, even now what the what the league sort of thinks the Spurs are going to do. And uh, they may not be wrong. You know, lots of Wimby interest at the beginning of the year and then uh, probably, um, you know, not not a playoff run at the end um, with Wimby maybe shut down a little at the end. And so I don't think the caveat the, there uh, is I don't think they're expecting Wimby to be shut down. And the caveat there is like if the Spurs do become a contender type, the NBA always has the option to flex things around and add some games late. But I think your your point is well taken yeah. that they're trying to jump on the early Wimby hype train and then play it by ear uh, from 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 that point on. Uh, All what, right. What else sticks we, out to we, you, Jeff? We milked like five minutes out of that. What else you got? Well, you haven't told us your impressions of the schedule. Um, <laughs> like I want to make the I want to make the tired joke about there's 82 games and 41 at home and 41 away, but it's not true. We don't even know what the we don't even know the whole schedule. Do that here it's a mess. <laughs> yeah, we there get to wait be... a while to find out about that week in December. It's like it's like Christmas come early. There will be another home game and another road game in there, so there will be 41 and 41. And I believe we've narrowed it down doing some detective work. Not that anybody cares, but the most likely uh, road game that week is either the Lakers or the Clippers because those are the Western Conference teams that still have the and the Western Conference teams that aren't in the Spurs pod that they could have a extra road game uh, uh, played against. Uh, without going over the usual allotment. I, I Basically, I'm saying that first week of December, I bet they go on the road to play either the Lakers or the Clippers if they're not in the uh, in-season tournament championship bracket. Or, and I, or and when, I think we, we talked about Minnesota the, or Utah coming. Well, what if all those teams are in the bracket? What if the Lakers and Clippers are both in the championship bracket? I don't know how any of this works. I'll admit. I, There's I don't options. Know. It gives them flexibility. But what I'm saying is the most likely extra trip is to the two Los Angeles to play the Lakers or Clippers. The most likely extra home game, I think, uh, we were talking about this the other day, I think it was Minnesota and um, Utah or one of those types. Um, But anyway, uh, I I, I guess just overall oddities about the schedule. There's another long trip in January um, that might be as long as either half of the rodeo road trip. Um, there are the two games in Austin that were instead of the last two games of the year, uh, as they were last year, they got moved up a month to where they're still after the, they're still after the, uh, UT basketball schedule, which I don't think UT was excited about having the Spurs in town to compete for the ticket, ticket buying public's money during their season. And that makes sense. Now it's kind of during the NCAA tournament, during the conference tournament, also during uh, South by Southwest, which is not good news for potential hotel uh, buyers, hotel renters for those Spurs games Oops. that week. Or traffic. Uh, those, Goodness. But, or traffic. As, but, far um, as, as far as the Spurs go themselves, though, it's not the last two low games of the season, which I think was just, uh, that's, that sucks. And as much as the Spurs last year wanted to pretend like it didn't suck and that it was just fine and they'd, they'd do it the same way over if they had to. I mean, obviously they wouldn't because now they get to move it up smart, which makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. You, you just don't want your I last 12 games of the year to be played somewhere else. Especially if 
if it ever gets to a time where you're fighting for a playoff berth there. But even even without that, like in their last two games or somewhere else, this doesn't doesn't add up. So I think this this is a better and that's a better spot for it. And I think it, I think as you mentioned, it also pacifies UT as well. You know, I, I think yeah, we I talked don't... last when the Austin games came out, like the perfect spot for them is somewhere during that rodeo trip. So this first can't be in their building anyway, but I guess GT is never going to go for that in the middle of February. So yeah, March makes as much sense as anything else. And to be clear, UT isn't on the record saying we don't want the the Spurs around during that time, but I think it's, it's sort well, of a courtesy. Like the one development from uh, this summer that we haven't talked about, probably because it's not worth too extensive of a conversation, but um, like the, the Spurs went up all their brain trust. You had Greg Popovich, R.C. Buford, Brian Wright, a lot of the stats guys met with UT coaches on the men's and women's side. There's a really good relationship there. Um, and, uh, you know, sharing information, working together, you know, you're, you're, the Spurs are trying to expand their, their um, market from just San Antonio to on up to, to Austin, on south into Mexico. And uh, that's part of it. And I, I think the Spurs just don't want to feel like they're uh, infringing, uh, crowding in on on the the Longhorns and and having people buy basketball tickets at a time when the Longhorns are also trying to buy basketball tickets. So even though it might make the most sense Spurs wise to have those two Austin games during the rodeo road trip, I think it's probably going to settle about where it is now. You know, conference tournament time, middle of March, and that that works okay. And those um, tickets are going to sell like hotcakes, aren't they? I mean, they sold out those games last year when they were just just terrible and no really compelling interest in the team itself. Anyway, I think you bring yep. him to be up there this year. I think those those tickets are going to go through the roof. They're going to make a lot of money off the you know that those games will both be sold out, even if it's not like Austin locals or people driving up from San Antonio. Like the South by deal uh, might bring you know people who are in town for that come by watch an NBA game. That could be interesting. Um, so it, it seems like those games are going to be a part of the schedule for a while now. There is no longer the freak out about the Spurs moving up there for good. That never made any sense to begin with. Now that Wemby is around and we're talking downtown arena, we're talking, um, at some point the, the move from the Frostbank Center to someplace new, like that will be in San Antonio. I think we know that. But having having Austin as a partner, having those games on the schedule, I think that makes sense uh, for a while too. Uh, we did not talk about the arena naming rights thing the last podcast. I think it had just happened. We might have mentioned it, but not gotten into it. But I think that's another example of the Wimby effect in that Last year, the summer of 2022, that's when the AT&T sponsorship ran out. It was it, They had signed their deal through those first 20 years of the arena. And uh, the Spurs were free to sign any new corporate sponsor they wanted in the summer of 2022 for a new deal to have their name on the, on the illustrious, the, the renowned... Uh, barn in the middle of the stockyards there on 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 the uh, east side, and they didn't find anybody. And so the Spurs and AT and T kind of came to an agreement of, hey, let's extend this 
indefinitely. I'm not sure how much money AT&T paid to extend it. If they paid anything at all to extend it, it was kind of like, let's just leave the name on there so it's there while the Spurs look for a new partner. I don't think it was coincidental that they announced their new partner the same summer that they landed Victor Wimbanyama. Um, I, think, and I think what you're saying is Fred's fish fry missed its window. Fred's fish fry missed its window. Um, uh, Which going you know, in the Express News Sunday on Fred's uh, on the longevity of yes. Fred by Rene Guzman. And about the I, I, the long-standing I, rumors about I what enjoyed, actually keeps Fred Fish Fry in business. I enjoyed that it addressed that urban legend. That was nice. Yes. Was anyway, anyway, uh, to relate this back to your local cagers, like they're people want to do business with them now. And Frost Bank, the local uh, institution who's been around for over a hundred years, and uh, has has been a longtime partner of the Spurs. They weren't ponying up that money. It's a pretty significant amount of money to put their name on the arena, even though they they had their patch on the jerseys and they'd been a part of the new uh, facility out at the Rock at La Cantera. Uh, they didn't do that till they were convinced that this they were going to have their name on the arena of a team that was going to win some games that people were going to care about. And... Victor Wimbanyama created that. And I think that's just sort of a sign of things to come for, I mean, you, you throw in the, the 20, the 19, um, nationally TV game, nationally televised games on the schedule. Like people want to do business with the Spurs again. And I know that's not what fans root for. That's not what fans tune into the podcast for us to hear about how much money the team is making and how good they're doing, uh, as a business. But it all kind of plays uh, together, and uh, I, if you if you if you weren't aware before of the Victor Wimbanyama effect, all these things kind of add up and give you an idea. Yeah, and you know, I know, I know, I know what you're saying, Mike. About you know, listeners, viewers may not be all that into that, but it's it's huge. It's huge for a franchise that. You know, it's traditionally had to scrape and claw for every dollar in a very limited, um, very limited market uh, where where the uh, sponsorship dollars are very thin. I mean, it's huge. It's huge for this franchise. Just as we knew, the moment those uh, balls came up, ping pong balls came up. Every everything changed uh, for the better for the Spurs. It, it, it's uh, it can't be understated, you know where they are financially now, or where they're headed to be financially now. What what was that quote from Peter J. Holt? Things were looking good for us, but now it's through the moon or something like that. He said in Chicago on Lottery Night. Yeah, and it's it's so true and so important. Yeah, uh, here's if my, for no other reason my, than than just if for no other reason than than to stop people from worrying about them moving someplace. Yeah, because now yeah. that never that never was going to happen, but now it's more absurd than it was before because the sponsorship dollars are there, and uh, you know this this team is is going to make money. It's going to be able to spend money in the future on um, on players, which is what the the fans care about, um, and 
you know, it's it's from from top to bottom a really really big summer for the local cagers. I guess we could segue well, there when we're talking about players. Well, go ahead, Jeff. Before we do that, I got one question before good. we wrap up this topic. So, do we think that uh, the fine folks at Taco Palenque choosing to sponsor this podcast is that part of the Wimby effect? Like, are we I drafting not, that as well? It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't <laughs> surprise me. <laughs> uh, um, How are things? I think again, we're not divulging too much, but you're still there at the Palenque. Like things still I happen am. there. People I excited? No, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at all the uh, the food I'm going to eat for a little while. Chicken out that store. Uh, Lim- probably good. Limited time. Probably going to for the margaritas look good, but I'm going to forego those out of day and just enjoy my uh, my, my diet soda. You know. Okay. Will it be your first? Well, first uh venture into um that kind of cuisine since we ate at a taqueria in springfield mass jeff <laughs> no i can't think of it. i live in south texas so that's about an every other day experience for me. Gotcha. yeah but we're about uh, to lose our credibility if we if we admit that we <laughs> ventured into a uh you, a tex-mex you, do, place in springfield you, massachusetts wanna, well i can tell you why we went there it was the only place that was open. It was the most. It had the most important quality of a restaurant at that point of, of, of the day. It was open. Being open, correct. Being open. I thought but it was pretty, well, pretty darn authentic, but I thought uh, it, was, it wasn't as good as the food that the fine folks at Taco Palenque. No, are, no, no question the there. But the ambiance was uh, was was pretty South Texas. What we did there was adapt. That is what. You know, maybe make adjustments on the fly. This is what your local cagers were doing this summer uh, when they they landed Victor Wembanyama. Uh, they weren't. They had lots of salary cap room available, but maybe this wasn't the best summer to use it. So you make some interesting little trades to kind of get over the salary floor. I think they're actually going to be an over the cap team for this year. Uh, but none of that cap space in the future was sacrificed. They're still going to go into next year with plenty to use if they want to use it. Um, we can look ahead a little bit in the waning moments of this podcast to the start of training camp in October and the story of the preseason aside from Victor Wembanyama will be that I think they have three players too many under contract. Do they not, Jeff? I, I lost counts, but somewhere that I, you, uh, yes, let's say yes. <laughs> say yes. Yeah. Let's say yes. So you're going to have a, and, and from what I've been told, like there's not anybody right now that the the brain trust has earmarked as a definite cut. Um, yeah. I think that the most likely one is your Kim Birch. Uh, he of the not quite healthy body since he's been a spur. Like guys um, who, have not, who have not yet played for them, like have been on the roster and have not logged a minute. Like that would be kind of on my list as uh, guys that might, might be, Gone. So that so guys who have not logged a minute would be your campaign. Well, no, uh, no, Cameron, sorry, Cameron sorry. Payne. I mean, guys that have. Uh, I, I was referring specifically to Kim Birch, who was on the roster for half of last season, but right. did not log a minute. Like to me, that would be a, a good sign that yeah, we're, we're, they're probably going to move on from him. Well, as Pop pointed out, he, his body wasn't good. Right. Uh, I, when we were asked for the medical assessment of I'm, why he wasn't playing. I'm telling you. I shall... Okay. Well, okay. The, 
so then you need to you need to drop two more and that list i mean you've got your i think cameron payne probably could be good for this team as a backup oh, yeah. point guard or as a point guard uh even as a starter at some point if they needed that uh hey, you've got your uh chetty osman you've got your uh reggie bullock all these guys are brought in with tra- for trades that kind of address the salary floor thing Devonte Graham, Devonte Graham, I think, is a player who was who was acquired at midseason yep. last year. Did some good things, but probably is not a long term cornerstone. Um, With the addition of then, uh, cutting board, correct. And Graham also has a suspension that he's dealing with uh, due to a problem that he had before arriving with the Spurs. Uh, he's also not been. You see a lot of Spurs around all summer long. Uh, you know the the veterans who were at summer league with Victor, um, uh, like like Mamu was around. Uh, um, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, on down the list. You you didn't see some of these guys who may just be new, who may be having other things to do this summer. But that kind of gives you a tell as to who's going to be around. Uh, I think it could be a competitive camp for some of these guys. Oh yeah. As to uh as to who makes the team, uh who maybe attracts interest elsewhere to get flipped for a pick or something in the future. Like they wouldn't necessarily have to cut three guys. You could trade one or two of them. But that could be uh that could be on the list of of preseason storylines that this team has. Uh anything else the the roster is kind of set now. I don't think there's gonna be any September trades coming up. Um any any just broad stroke thoughts about what the whole thing looks like heading into Wimby year one? I think it's still I a roster. I mean, the roster's set, like you said, but it's still a transitional period here. I think they're I think they're still kind of keeping their powder dry to kind of what am I trying to say? Um, there are no rush. Yeah, he's using a lot of cliches. Thinking, we have to build a playoff team around Wimby in 2023-24. And so I think that's kind of what you're seeing. You're seeing some guys that, that are clearly transitional players that are maybe here just to help you get to the next era, and they will help you for this season. Um, but they're not part of – I think there's a clear line between guys that are, are part of the long-term Wimby project and, part of, and guys that are here just to help ease the transition – to that to that project i think i think it's pretty clear which guys fall into which camp and then there's some that are sort of like um maybe they're part of that we have to see you know th- that they just want to look at guys like Mam- mamu and uh charles bassey and um people on that end of the uh, end of the bench and and the, the other frenchman julian cd well, so uh, I, I think i think, I think he's, so he's i think he's gonna be good I don't know what I mean by good. Um, I don't think I mean all-star, but I think he's going to be a guy that can help them sooner more than later, especially um, with what he can do on the defensive end. I mean, they're putting together a roster of players that are still young now, and they're still going to trying to figure things out, but they're going to be, they're going to be able to put out some really monster defensive lineups at some point. If all this um, comes together, when you throw in the guys we mentioned, plus Sohan, plus Vassell, um, you know, guys like that that is long and switchable and um, ferocious. Like, I think CD will could be like a 
Like he's, he can help you defensively. I think year one, but I, yeah, whether he yeah. can do the uh, the rest of it good enough to to see time is kind of what you look for in him. He's probably going to see some Austin time. Oh, and the, sure. the, the 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 other French thing I would I was referring to that's kind of in between is the Julian Champagne, uh, who's not oh. French, but uh, I, French Champagne is French. That was really really terrible. But he, yeah, he's kind yeah. of a guy like. He's transitional in a way, like he's kind of a space filler for this season. And Mamo's kind of the same way. Uh, right. But he could turn himself into part of something in the future. Uh, those are those those middle middle of the road type of guys. You have your your clear long-term pieces. Sohan, Vassell, Johnson. I think um, Zach Collins I, is probably I, part of that. Trey Jones is kind of part of that. Brandon in there too. Malachi Branham's part of that. You have your clear placeholder types uh all the names we mentioned earlier you know the campaign the uh the bullock the osman those types who are who are just around to to help in the short term uh, doug mcdermott is kind of there doug's a really good spur yep. but like he's not going to be part of the championship future you're, right he's kind of helped to build helping to build a culture win some games now but but placeholder ish uh and then you have those middle guys like you said Ch- charles bassey champagne uh, uh, Mamu, those types where they're sort of placeholders now, but maybe they can become more than that. And we'll see. Um, we got more out of this podcast than some of the people on this panel expected. I think we're we're getting to our usual length. There wasn't too much filler. There wasn't too much just get us through the the year through the podcast type of stuff. Like, like uh, we're talking about some of these players, these veteran I, players. I, I think it's the equivalent of like you know a cha- you know a, a championship level team showing up in like uh, let's say Charlotte again on a Tuesday in January, and you think they're just going to mail it in, but no, they give you a championship level effort, and they beat the crap out of those Hornets, and that's what we did. We beat the crap out of this podcast. Was this a championship level effort? I don't I know. know. I, uh, I think we can go a lot better. You I can think we can do a lot better. I miss those. I miss those wrap ups, uh, playing off of Dad Young, and the positive approach. <laughs> I really miss those. I really do too. Th- Thad Young was. I think this was a. This was an effort that Thad Young would have been proud of. Was it? Like, did did we go into this podcast thinking we were going to win any podcasting awards? No. The podcasting awards exist. We'll never know. We're never going to win any of them. <laughs> The bodies, but uh, but we put in the effort. We 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 were professional for the most part. Like three quarters of us were professional. I will say which one was might 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 have been we questionable. All know what you, we all know what you mean. I just uh, really but, but we I gave just it really our wish shot. You wouldn't talk about Tom Orsborn that way. And I know, I know. We're, I'm trying to be nice. We gave it a, we we gave it an effort. That's all you can do. We will be back in a couple of weeks to give it another effort. And, uh, and keep that effort up as long as we can through this season. And, and until we see you again, take care of each other and keep it real. <laughs>